Before we start the broadcast of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage podcast, I just wanted to make you all aware of the official sponsors for the 2023 series. Our agency are a full-service digital creative agency specialising in branding, web and content creation. They are delivering results in Wakefield for organisations such as Trinity Walk and the Wakefield Cathedral. And they offer upfront, no-nonsense marketing to help you achieve your goals. Drop them a line, follow them on all their social media accounts or take a look at their website and make our agency your agency. If you're a local business in the Wakefield area and interested in sponsoring the podcast, drop Lee or Jamie a message on the Heritage social media accounts and we'll get back to you as quick as we can. Now, over to you, Cammy. Hi, it's Cammy, Chris Kamara, and you are listening to the Trinity Heritage podcast with Jamie and Lee Robinson. They are unbelievable. Good afternoon, good morning and good evening from wherever you are listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 66 of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. Bit of a rejig and scheduling this week as we bring you our first ever Wednesday podcast, fresh off the heels of our first game of the season against Catalan Dragons and two days away before we play Wigan away in Wigan. But before we begin properly, let me introduce you to my co-host, my dad, Lee Robinson. How are you doing, dad? Hello, hello, and uh, welcome back to uh, this week's podcast. Like you say, it's Wednesday night one this week. Uh, this week, we go modern day for the first time this year. We always like our heritage chats, but we, uh, we've we got a great relationship with the club and we have a lot of first-teamers uh, join us every now and again. This week, we've got a bloke who's played 219 times for Trinity. He's got three England caps, and this year is his testimonial year. A big warm welcome to Reese Lynn. Thanks for joining us, mate. Cheers, fellas. Thanks for having me. Now looking forward to uh, to chatting to you both. Good stuff, Ray. So, I mean, once again, I say this every single week, but we ask the first question to the, the same question the first time, every single time to the same people. Um, and I'm just going to ask it to you first outright, and then we can talk in a bit more depth about other things. But what's the first thing that comes to mind, Reese, when you hear the words Wakefield Trinity? Uh, the first thing that probably comes to mind is uh, togetherness. When I when I think of Wakefield, I think uh, a lot of times backs are against the walls, and uh, I think it's just a a, a city and a, a club that's that's together. Uh, and yeah, I think when whenever I think of Wakefield, that's that's kind of what I think. Just like a family a family club that's uh, together and everything, what they do. We get a lot of the the ex and current players saying something along them lines, like like you say, a family or pride, togetherness. What what do you think's in in kind of the the foundations of the club at Trinity to to, to utilize them phrases? Uh, I just I just think everyone you you meet's kind of a friendly face and always willing to help you, and uh, I think. Uh, there's a lot of just working class people that are just everyone's willing to just chip in and kind of do their bit for the for the city and and for the team and I don't think nothing's too much for to for anybody and as I say you you bump into a lot of people that are volunteering or just helping out around the club and always got a, a friendly smile and say hello and stuff so yeah that's that's kind of where I got them couple of words from 
Superb, mate. Superb. Obviously, it's no secret to anybody listening or involved in rugby league at the minute. But here's your testimonial year with with us at Wakefield Trinity. How's how's that going for you so far? Yeah, really good. Uh, obviously, I had my game uh, last month, which was really enjoyable uh, against Halifax. There, so I was having all my family and friends down. It was uh, it was a real special day for me. That one that I really enjoyed, and then just most recently, I've just. Uh, I've just had a race night just down at the the ground on on Saturday, which uh, your dad was there. So that was a real fun night as well. I actually haven't been to one before, so I was really looking forward to it. And it, yeah, it was, a, it was a real good laugh. Uh, it's had lots of fun there. So yeah, I'm just in the the process of uh, getting the next event together, which will be a, a Q&A night. That'll be in... Uh, April, so I'll just be looking at getting the details out over the next week or two on on that. Superb, mate. And, and you know, we, I mean, Dad and Dad himself is always doing so much research into the club, and we had to bit, we've had a bit of a dive today. And you're the first bloke in 16 years at Trinity to celebrate a testimonial with a club. That's a, that's an incredible achievement in itself, but that must mean a lot to you. Yeah, definitely, and uh, just as a person as well, I like to. Think like uh, I am a loyal person and and showing some loyalty to the, to the club, which that's something what what I am proud of to uh to obviously have stayed that amount of time. Obviously, it's it's not something that happens too often, and especially at, at Wakefield, it's not something that happens too often. So, yeah, obviously, I'm uh I'm really really proud to and and honoured really to to be able to to represent Wakefield for such a long time and I've had many uh, enjoyable moments throughout my adult career here, really, throughout my adult life. Ten years, mate, driving down that M62 every day, I'm back. <laughs> well, it's actually been, what, six years, I'd say, I've been doing that. So, so when I first signed, I did move over to Wakefield. I lived yeah. over for about four or five years. So... Yeah, I yeah. remember that, yeah. Going back to your race night, mate, it was a bit dodgy, I thought, because you seemed to get a lot of winners. <laughs> don't don't get don't get started on that. All the lads were saying the same thing. I think I got the first winner uh on the on the on the on the night. So the lads were saying, Oh, it's fixed this, it's fixed. But no, I swore down uh, definitely didn't I hadn't seen any of the, the races before. I think I I think that was the only winner I actually had, to be fair, that first one. Good stuff, and it was a good turnout, wasn't it, mate? You had, you had some good support from the uh, from your players, so it was. Uh, I'd never really been to a, a race night before, but it was good fun. Yeah, that's it. Obviously, so the lads turned up, uh, and obviously it was, it was a really good turnout all, all around. It was a really good night. Like you said, it was plenty of fun, and it's always good for the lads to get around and, and mingle with everybody, and for everyone just to be able to just have a have a beer and just have a, a low key chat. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah it would have been nice if we was celebrating the win from the night before. But, uh, yeah, it was still a good night. Yeah, mate, yeah. Let's rewind if we may, mate. Back to the 1992 in Hull. Tell us about your upbringing in Hull as a, as a young lad. Yeah, so, as I said, just born in Hull. Uh, so, pretty much raised by my mum. Uh, so, when, when, when my mum was uh, caught pregnant, my dad kind of decided that... Uh, it wasn't really for him, so he kind of up sticks and left. So yeah, uh, mum was a single mum, uh, raised me, and uh, later on down the line, I'd have two sisters as well. So she was like a, a single mum of, of three for a, a fair while, raising us up. So yeah, obviously, mum means a, a great 
great lot to me. And obviously, I wouldn't be where I am now if it weren't for for mum and sticking in there because she was she was only young herself when she had me. Her first child she would have been, I think, nineteen. So it's it's a very young age, obviously, to be having a a child. So yeah. Yeah, good. There's a bond there, isn't there? When you when you when you have a relationship like that. But I remember talking to you. Obviously, we did your testimonial brochure, and you you, you touched base with your dad many years later, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I kind of got in touch. I was on a pre-season camp with Hull FC in Tenerife at the time. I was I would have been only been what maybe around eighteen, and yeah, kind of put two and two together and guessed who it, who it was, and saw some pictures of myself on his Facebook. So yeah, just. I decided to to give it a bit of a shot. I always said to myself, obviously, never knowing what he looked like, I could walk by him in the street and never, not recognise him. And I kind of said I, I never wanted to die without seeing my dad. I always wanted to just kind of knew what he looked like and give it that chance. So, yeah, obviously decided to to do that. So, yeah, we had a bit of a relationship for maybe a year or, a year or two, kind of back and forth and, and, and getting to know each other. And, yeah, it just... For one reason or another, it just didn't really work out. So, yeah, just kind of decided to go uh, separate ways. And, yeah, not really seen anything of him since that. That would have been, what, probably a good eight eight years or so ago, I'd say, now. Oh, interesting, interesting stuff, mate. And on the back of that, um, we've mentioned, we'll talk about your international career later on, obviously. But you qualified to play for Jamaica due to that link. Yeah, that's it. So, obviously... This obviously the World Cup that's just gone by. I was uh, it was asking if I was keen to represent, and I actually looked into that. Uh, it's a bit bit difficult. Obviously, we're not having my kind of links to that side of the family, and not really having much uh, having much family history and stuff or connections. It was pretty hard to kind of get the evidence what I needed to. But I actually got in touch with my dad's brother, so my uncle. I met him for like the first time ever. Uh, and he was kind of doing a bit of digging and research into like the grandparents and stuff. So, if if that opportunity came came along again in the future, uh, I think I'm being a, a better position to pursue that. Nice one, good stuff, mate. That'd be, that'd be interesting as well. Tell about where where did rugby league come into your life? Where did you start playing uh, rugby league in Hull? I started playing at Cock Tigers. Uh, so I was I was nine, and I would say it was a. Uh, I was always a football lad growing up, just really uh, slim and fast. And yeah, pretty much like most schools, really, uh, football was the main thing. And then uh, kind of moved moved house and there was uh, a couple of lads down the street that were was playing rugby. Uh, so I kind of got friends with them and they offered to take me. Uh, they were season ticket holders at Hull FC at the time as well. So he just said, "Oh, why don't you come along? Like training, we'll we'll take you down." Like, because uh, obviously my mum didn't drive, so yeah, it kind of just went from there, really. So a bit, bit, bit by chance. And were were you a natural initially, or did it take you a bit of time to bed in? Well, I was just obviously really fast. So back then, you can obviously when you're that kind of age, you can just run round people uh, pretty easily and score lots of tries. So although obviously the the knowledge of the game and the skills, etc., weren't there because I was so so fast that kind of get gets you in the the kind of limelight and and people start to notice you at that age and see think there's something to work with. How often did you manage to get down and watch FC? 
Uh, well, as I said, my friend, he was a, a season ticket holder with his with his dad. So I kind of decided to to get one. So yeah, I used to just bob along with them as well. So I was a I was a season ticket holder at Hull FC. Uh, so actually, I've always been an East Hull lad. I am an East Hull lad, which is obviously the other end, which is Hulky side. But as I say, like obviously, my friend was a a black and white. So yeah, that's where it kind of come from, and just ended up tagging along and and being a season ticket holder there then obviously as as time kind of went on I ended up being like a, a ball boy and stuff through the scholarship and, and stuff at LFC which were like a, a dream come true really Just thinking about it when you'd have been in your early teens FC had have been a really strong team that won the Challenge Cup got to the Grand Final got, got, got some pretty good heroes and idols there as well Yeah definitely like you say it was uh, and that's what kind of made things a bit easier at the time when I was coming to pick kind of which team to sign for. Obviously, Hull was the really dominant team in the city. Uh, Hulky yeah, were, were, were still in the, the lower the lower league. So, and as you said, like, growing up watching your idols, like, yeah, your, your Hull idols, local lads, you had Richard Orn, your, your Kirk Emo, yeah, Kirk Emans, all them type of players. And then, like, to be to be rubbing shoulders with them a, a few years later, it was, it was pretty surreal, really. Well, I know, I know you've, just, you've just said the word surreal there, but when you get into a change of room, do you, do you feel tense? Do you feel nervous or do they make you feel at home? You know, they make, they make you feel at home. Obviously, you have that bit of anxiety and and that bit of pressure around it, but all, all the lads are great and, and put their arm around you. I mean, for me, I actually went on a pre-season training camp to uh, Portugal with Hull FC when I was still at school, so they took me out of school for a week Uh Oh, so I would have had him in 16 to go train with the first team. So, yeah, I'm in like a villa with uh, Tom Briscoe, Kerkeem and like Richard Orn, like the local lads are there, kind of looked after me. So, yeah, it's just crazy. One minute you're, you're at school getting ready for your exams and the next minute you're in Portugal, uh, Browns camp, uh, rubbing shoulders with all these first team players. So, But no, it was, it was great. It was, it was all looked after me as a, as a young kid. It was a great experience. Great stuff, mate. And and just rewinding a little bit, what what was it like growing up in in the Hull area? You know, as as a as a lad, I know obviously Hull gets a bit of a bad rep sometimes, socioeconomically. But how was it for you growing up there? Yeah, it was. I, I've never had no problems. Hull's obviously home for me, and and I, I love it. I won't I won't have a a bad word to really to really say about it. Yeah, growing up for me was was fine. I was, was in a pretty. I've always lived in like council estates, went to some pretty tough schools, but you just kind of learn to just get on with it and uh, people just treat you how you treat them kind of thing. And you you, you sometimes heard a lot of stories about what happened at, at sec- our secondary school and stuff. But yeah, just, just kind of got my head down and just made mates and yeah, just never had no issues really. School was a real good time for me, really enjoyable. Uh, years of my life. And wonderful stuff. You mentioned Cottingham Tigers, mate, as your first team. You moved to Idealisburg after that, uh, and they were a good side back in the nineties uh, and two thousands, weren't they? You had, you had some success there. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I don't know if I had a year or two at, at Cotton, and then kind of Ideal came knocking on the door. And there was there was trying to put together a, a strong team. Just trying to, I'd say, poach a few players from kind of each team to put together a. A strong team and at the time I was kind of obviously because my friend was teching me 
it was kind of in in his in his hands really because I didn't really have any transport and he decided he wanted to kind of make the move as well. So it worked out well. And yeah, we had some really successful times at our deal uh, over the years. I think we won every every trophy going and. And he, like, even included the the national cups and the Yorkshire Cup. So yeah, we had a we had a really strong team and uh, some really enjoyable enjoyable uh, moments over them years. And how did the how did the sort of link to Hull FC come? Do they have scouts uh, looking at uh, Ideal? Yeah, yeah. So obviously you had had scouts. So you had scouts from from all over every club really, uh, always watching and. You'd have like your, your service areas, so like your whole district against like Wakefield District or mm-hmm. Leeds District, all that. So there's always scouts watching, uh, and then you kind of just at the time you you got a letter through the post through at home, just with uh the clubs that would be interested in signing you with a contact number on, uh, and then you just basically have to politely ring that number and say he wasn't interested or he was interested and you'd you'd kind of go and meet them clubs like you was and then just make a decision from there. And basically, you mentioned it already, you went straight from school. So you were a 16-year-old in the whole first-team setup. How was that? You know, that's a big jump, isn't it, from Yorkshire Junior League to LFC first-team. I bet you were shattered. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a massive jump, as I say. Like, it doesn't really happen too much these days. Uh, I think a lot of the kids now are obviously it's big to get the studies and to, to get something behind them. I don't think so often people go straight from secondary school straight into uh, the full-time environment now. So yeah, it was obviously at the time it was a dream come true. It's, it's all I wanted to do, but as I say, it, it was pretty crazy. I think like I was playing a, I was playing a national cup final uh, for our deal at Salford, at Salford ground. And I think like just over a year later, I was playing in um, a Super League debut so when I kind of thought about that and actually sat back and thought about that, like just within a, a twelve month period, it was uh yeah, it's pretty crazy to to think of really from playing fifteen, sixteen year olds to land up against your your Willie Talows and season pros. That's right. Was that your debut? Was at Salford as well. So within a year, yeah. you've gone from under 15s under 16s Bala National Cup final to uh, Super League debut. Do you remember your debut at Salford? Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, I think that's some of yeah, all your debuts you can you can never really forget. So yeah, I I vividly remember even like the bus journey and how nervous I was. Like we had a real really strong team as well. It was stacked full of internationals and and, and world class players, and uh, I managed to get over for a, a walking try. But we <laughs> we lost on the we lost on the day, which with the strength of the team that we had. And Salford, Salford team was okay, but the strength of the LFC team uh, should have been really, really winning that game. So yeah, uh, obviously disappointing to to lose, but obviously it was great to to cross the whitewash. It was on Sky as well, so oh, was it? it was good, yeah. I'm just looking at the team now. I won't quiz you on it because obviously it's not a Hull FC uh, podcast. But you were on you were on the wing. Tom Briscoe was on the other one. Kirk Newman in the centre. Sean Long at loose at scrum half. Props Michael Mealy, Lee Radford. Sean Berrigan Hooker, back three, Willie Manu, Danny Tickle, Craig Fitzgibbon, and people like Ewan Dowes and Danny, Danny Houghton, Sam Moore on the bench. That's a yeah. strong side, mate, isn't it? Like you said. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a really strong side. So as you said, just to be rubbing shoulders with with, with them type of players as a uh, 16, 17 year old, it was it was amazing. 
it was all happening all very quickly as well, wasn't it? Because in that same era, if I'm if I'm right, looking at this, he got picked for Great Britain Academy as well. Uh, and that was sort of, I think you made your debut in um, March 2010. And in December 2010, you got picked for England Academy. Um, that must have been special as well, because you beat the Aussies twice. Yeah, that was obviously really special. Uh, again, we had a really, really strong team there, uh, going up against uh, the Aussie schoolboys and... Obviously, we managed to get the the series win, which not too many too many have done over the years against the Aussie schoolboys. So that was a a big feat, and it wasn't till I was kind of just going through some uh, some bags and some old stuff the other day, just in my loft, that I kind of flicked through a program of the actual Australian schoolboy mm-hmm. teams, and you come across the names, which obviously now are world known, like your James Tedesco's, David Clemmers, all that. And obviously, at the time, you had no idea, but just to actually think, oh yeah, yeah, I've played against them type of players, and you had no idea. It was, uh, it was good just to have a little flick through that and see. What did that mean to you at the time? Obviously, like you said, you had a, you had a bit of a different upbringing to others, and you, you know, this this young lad from Hull suddenly representing your country at sixteen is incredible. Yeah, it was, and I, I think when you're at that age, though, it kind of just, I don't think you really realise kind of what you're doing at the time but like you say so much was happening it's kind of just a bit of a whirlwind really you, it's probably only till you kind of get to like my age now when I'm 30 odd year old and I look back and you really start to appreciate and understand what was actually happening and stuff but I think when you're just in the moment and you're just full of you're just a young kid and full of adrenaline and you're just flying around it's yeah, you don't really have time to think too much. You just you just in that kind of moment. But certainly looking back now, it was yeah, I've got some fun memories and and yeah, some great times back then. How much of your memorabilia do you keep? Yeah, uh, yeah, fair a fair bit of it. Uh, I was I was captain for a fair few years of Ideal, so I've got fair fair lot of the uh, the trophies from when we've won uh, competitions and stuff upstairs, and obviously. Fair fair amount of medals and stuff from over the years, and then coming through like the whole FC scholarships and all different things like that. So yeah, I've got a, a fair bit, and then obviously shirts and stuff what I've collected over the years. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. I'm gonna me as as you can see from behind me, dad on the podcast. Listeners won't be able to see it, but he's got all his memorabilia from from days gone by. So you can see we're, we're big fans of memorabilia as well, Rafe. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always good in it to to keep. I'm waiting for your England shirt coming up for raffle, mate, on your testimonial raffle. <laughs> yeah, it'll be up for it'll be up for raffle, definitely. <laughs> got a fair few I've got a fair few good prizes to be fair to to keep an eye out, really. Fair good one from the World Cup as well. I'm gonna say, can you can you tell us now or is, are you keeping it hush hush until it's time? What what I've got? Yeah, well, raffle prizes, yeah. Uh well, mainly to share. I've got uh, like an Australia sand one. Uh, Samoa signed one, a couple of my England ones. I've got uh, John Bateman England shirts, uh, Newcastle Knights one, New South Wales, Great Britain one from the last tour. Uh, that's it off the top of my head, I think. So, that's some fairly de- decent, decent stuff, yeah. Good stuff, mate. Excellent. And then, you know, just going back to your whole days, kind of your, your last year at Hull didn't go as as planned under under Peter Gensley. You ended up following a good mate of ours, Richard Agar, to Wakefield. What what did Rich have on you in terms of influence? Yeah, Rich was uh, massive for me over over my younger years. Uh, 
obviously he gave me the opportunity. I'll be forever grateful to Rich, and we, we had a, a really good relationship. And obviously, it's, it could be tricky at the time as well. So I was a young kid, and sometimes you don't know he's made the right choices and obviously things are a learning curve so he always put his arm around me kind of understood my background as well and kind of what had kind of gone on growing up and stuff so he was always there to kind of put an arm around me and just to guard me really so yeah it was uh he played a real big part in my in my early years especially uh at Hull FC and then over to, to Wakefield as well. What were your thoughts on moving to Wakefield initially? Uh well, I was I was pretty keen just through the link with Rich. Uh, obviously, he gave him a chance, and I knew him well as a person, and and I knew like he was keen to to get me over, and he'd, he'd give me some opportunities. Uh, so yeah, who knows? Obviously, without that link there with Rich, who knows kind of what what would have happened? So that was kind of the initial thing what what drawed me over to to Wakefield. So yeah. Stuff, mate, and obviously you'd you'd played against Wakefield before. You knew the city well, but getting to the club and you know it's, everyone describes that period as kind of a band of mis- misfits coming together. Um, how did you feel about that? Yeah, as I said, just, uh, I, I, I decided obviously to move over as well. So I was getting just to grips with that kind of leaving home and starting to grow up a bit. And obviously, everyone says it's like misfits, but. For me at the time, I was I was only a young kid, so I wasn't established. So to me, I was just a, a kid that was looking for an opportunity. So I didn't really take too much notice of that. I think obviously maybe the older ones and players that had played at other teams obviously had that perception of, oh yeah, people see us as a bit of misfits all put together. But yeah, I think just for me, obviously a young kid that wasn't really established, I was just focusing on that really just looking for an opportunity to to establish myself really and get a, a run of games and and you came into the side and you know again some big names people like Ali Lawatiti, Paul Ayton, um Danny Washbuck who obviously came over with you from Hull you know Richie Mathers who've, who'd won grand finals and challenge cups as well so yeah there were some well-established players in there yeah, definitely. There was plenty of experience, and then you obviously your Tim Smiths, like Andy Rallies. We had we had a really experienced team, and uh, plenty of good characters as well. You had Carl Amos, we had Benke Kane, Peter Fox, obviously the skipper, Danny Kerman. Uh, so yeah, it's probably I'd say them first few years probably up there were my most enjoyable really at, at the club. As you said, I know you had uh, you said there about the the conception of like misfits, and everyone just mucked in and just worked so hard for each other and just just kind of again it was like backs against the walls and it was just su- such a tight group uh like and you could tell by the the results how, how much of a tight group it was that uh, we had plenty of, of good laughs along the way and as I say I was only a young kid but it was great just being around them all the reds and 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 just having a good laugh and and learning off them now it comes to your debut, your second debut, and Richie gives you the centre shirt. And you seem to be a bit of a bad luck charm on your debuts because we lost 40 points to six to Bradford in the first game of the 2013 season. Um, what do you remember about that game? Uh, was it at Bradford? Um, yes, I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, it wasn't a, I can't remember too much of it. I know it wasn't a, a great day, like... Uh, Oh, I can't really remember too much. Yeah, I can't remember too much going our way at all. But we were actually not... fav- we were actually favourites, and and they just got a new coach. I think it was Francis Cummings that were new coach. 
And you look, you look at the. I'm not going to be disrespectful to disrespectful to Bradford, but you look at their side, and it, there's a lot of unknowns in it, and they went and beat us by forty. So it was a bit of a shock on the day. Oh, really? Yeah, I can't really remember that. I wonder if it maybe that bit of that bounce fact, you know, when teams do get a new coach, it, it yeah. can happen that can't it? Just gives everybody a bit of a spare. But now, yeah, I'll have to. Now, Reese, I know you said you can't remember the day, but this is the time of the podcast where we always quiz someone on their debut team for Wakefield. So we are going to chuck this at you now. Are you, are you able to, obviously, you've got yourself in the centre, so you've got one out of 17 already. Can you name your starting 17 in that 40 points to six loss to Bradford in your debut for Trinity? It was at yeah. fullback. Was it Mathers? It was, yeah. Richie Mathers at fullback. Who's, the, uh, who's your other centre pairer? Fantastic Australian Cronulla player. Dean Collis. Yeah, great player. Wingers, you've yeah. mentioned them already. Ben Kane. Yeah. Peter Fox. Yeah. Halfbacks, drop goal specialist and a, a young uh, young Wakefield lad who now plays at Fev. Other one still plays at Juice. Matt, uh, Matty Wildey. Matty Wildey, yeah. Uh, Paul Sykes. Sykesy, yeah. Yeah, and you've made, and we've we've gone over the pack already, actually. Yeah, so we've got a big Aussie prop, and then uh, big big pundit these days that plays for witness. So we've got Kyle Amor and big Aussie prop played state of origin. No, that was too early. That one. We've got people Just... screaming at the at the at the phones and are in the car now trying to tell tell you this person's name. I think you played for the drag St. George Dragons in uh, in Oz. Wasn't Justin Parr, was it? It was, yeah, yeah Justin Parr. Oh, was it? I thought that was later on. I thought that would have been I was thinking him, but I thought oh, that would have been later on. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Parr and Kyle Amor. Hooker, hooker, yeah, probably the best hooker at our club in a lot a lot of years, this lad. Paul Ayton. Yeah, Paul Ayton. Back rowers and, and loose forward, fantastic again. You'll probably you'll probably bounce these off. Uh Kermont. Yeah. Uh, Ali, yeah, and Washy, yeah, excellent, superb. And then the bench, we're, we're a bit bit misfits, really, to be fair. Um, there's a prop who plays at Wigan now, uh, Singo, yeah, Singo, yeah, yeah he did play many games for us. Well done. Um, uh, second rower, Italian surname, Mariana, <laughs> Frank the Tank. I loved him, he was a great player. Um, and then a kind of a journeyman prop who had, who, I think he had two stints at Wakefield. Cumbrian. Oliver Wilkes. Yeah. And then last one, um, Hooker off the bench, who's also having his testimonial this year at Halifax. Carl Wood. Yeah, superb. Well done, mate. Excellent. Superb. So, yeah. Surprised myself there, especially <laughs> with my. Uh... My head knock as well. <laughs> in the yeah. way, you've done pretty well there. Match that. So yeah, Richie Mathers, Peter Fox, Dean Collis, yourself, Ben Kane, Paul Sykes, Matty Wildey, uh, Justin Paul, Paul Ayton, Kayla, Kyle Amar, Big Ali, Danny Kermo, Washy, and then Kyle Wood, Ollie Wilkes, Mariano, and Singleton on the bench. Tim Tim Smith must have been must have been injured or something that day. But Matty Wildey's yeah. pretty decent to pop in. So yeah, yeah. so 2013. It also stands out for me as well. I mean, we don't want to go on about him too much, even though he's a friend of the podcast, but Danny Kermond had a, had a fantastic season that year. He, he got selected for the Dream Team. Um, tell us about playing alongside Captain Kermond and what he meant to you. Yeah, just 
just such a, an inspiration. He was uh, obviously when I first got there as well. He was just just a great guy. He was he was uh, the captain of the team. But obviously, for me being a young kid, it's it's uh, obviously it can be quite daunting, a bit nerve wracking and stuff. But Kermo is just always there, just always approachable as a as a person, just always willing to to talk and listen. And he's just just an all round great guy and. Obviously, Taboo, he was a, a fantastic player, and you, you knew when when you had him at the side. Yeah, he was uh, he was going to lead you, and and you always had a good chance because uh, I mean, like that year when he was just hitting them lines and and scoring for fun, he was uh, causing all sorts of problems. So yeah, we just he was just instrumental when you when you had Camo in the team, just just because you knew what you was going to get from him. So yeah, he was a fantastic person and. Fantastic player and someone I still speak to now and as class as a as a good friend. Yeah, it's brilliant one, especially when he played alongside Tim Tim Smith. Those two together, they were like the wizard. He put he put Kermo through some lovely gaps, lovely tries. Yeah, yeah, that combination like them to had uh, for them few years, it was uh, it was unbelievable. Mm. That was your first season, mate. Two thousand thirteen. You played you played seventeen games that year. Um, and then the year, we seem to have a mini clear out. Tim Smith went, Ayton, Amor, Cocaine, Mariano, Paul, a lot of these players were mentioned already. There was sort of a mass changeover. I think that's just when Michael Carter stepped in and, and the names were brought in Scott Anderson, Peter Godinay, Paul McShane, um, Richard Moore, Daniel Smith, Jarrett Sammer, Nick Scruton. Massive changes. Do you, do you remember that season when uh, Michael Carter took over and there were so many ins and outs? Yeah, I remember it pretty well. It was kind of well documented to the players, kind of like there was a bit of a, a changeover happening behind the scenes. What I think it obviously needed to happen for the club to to keep going, kind of thing. So, yeah, I think I'm not too sure uh, myself, but I, I won't be too sure if them players kind of had to kind of go rather than by choice to kind of keep the. The club afloat. I'm. I, I won't be too sure on that, but I know a few of them kind of had to kind of go just to kind of make ends meet for the for the club to to stay above board. Yeah, there's some big money men there, weren't they? When uh, when uh, Michael knew what he was doing, getting rid of some of those. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, 2014 season, you started off on the wing, but then within a few weeks, you went to the centre. What was your favourite position? Because when I first knew you was a kid, you were always on the wing at Hull. And then you ended up in the centre of Wakefield. What did you have a favourite position back in the day? I know you're an established centre now. Yeah, centre. So all growing up through junior career, I've always been a centre. Uh, so that's all. I've always been a left centre growing up, and then obviously just because of size and experience, it was just kind of easier just to to filter in on the wing at obviously Super League level. Uh, obviously a bit more exposed in the centre when you're obviously not as physical up to physical attributes what what you need it's it's just easier just to slot in on the wings so that's kind of why the early days at Hull I was I was on the wings and then kind of same same at Wakefield until I'd kind of developed a bit and those early early years when you came to Wakefield we were so up and down looking at 2015 I don't I don't know if you remember but the first match of the season we played Cass and beat them second match of the season we beat Old Kings played Old Kingston Rovers and beat them and then we lost 50, 15 league games on the trot do you remember that year? Yeah I remember it pretty well as I say I think that Cass game I think it was Danny Washbrook scored late on yeah. uh, at Cass to, to to win that game obviously it was it was great scenes and then 
yeah, I think we won the next one. And then, as you say, I don't think we won another. And then I think that was the end of James Webster. Was James Webster the coach? Yeah, that mm. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the end of him. We didn't, didn't win a, another game, which was obviously disappointing. So, yeah, obviously a season what started off so positively and, and full of hope. But, yeah, just kind of soon fizzled out, which is a shame. That was the year when those Super 8s and Middle 8s came in as well, and we were that bad. We finished bottom of the league. We were virtually getting ready for the Middle 8s by Easter. But we had. To, I remember when it started, because obviously Webbo went, Brian Smith came in, and we had such a turnover of players against. Tim Smith came back. and No, sorry, Tim Smith left, and then we brought in um, Kevin Locke, and we brought in Michael Seo, we brought in Bill Tupo. Tim Smith left near the end. And finished bottom of the league, but then those middle eights started. You missed a couple of months with a broken hand. I don't you remember that. Can't really remember that, no. <laughs> Can you remember that? Can you remember that year leading up to the million pound game with Bradford? Or that, yeah, that was last eight weeks? Yeah, I can remember that. Yeah, it was obviously pretty chaotic, really. And obviously there was a lot of anxiety around the place and but as players, we still we still had the the belief that we could we could stay up. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of outside noise and a lot of pressure. But uh, we knew, like obviously, if we we had every player out there, we could we could do the job and and stay up. But obviously, when obviously the, your jobs are on the line and obviously the future of the clubs on the line, it it does bring them them added pressures and and stresses. So yeah, it was. It was pretty a tough time to to be going through, but obviously thankful we uh, managed to to get through that. Yeah, and, and as you say, we we won twenty four sixteen that day, and 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 Bradford haven't been seen since really. So it's it's a, I mean, it's I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it's great to look at that just as opposed to that could have been us. You know, Wakefield could have been done and dusted after that. Yeah, as you say that, who knows? Obviously, you have to pretty much let go of majority of your players, so. It's just a total new turnaround, and yeah, it's just it's just a total rebuild, and who knows which way it's going to go? Who knows if the the board are going to back it? There's a lot of unanswered questions to be had there. So, yeah, it's it's not the best, and I'm not a, a massive fan really of the, the million pound games and stuff. Uh, I think it's something that we we could do with having a look at. Uh, in the in the near future, but yeah, obviously, just fortunate that we was the ones that came through it but still it's you obviously it's kind of a celebration of relief more than everything but you still got to kind of take into consideration the other team what have, have lost so much as well so it's it's not really a day for celebrating really if you if you get where I'm coming from yeah I think I, we've spoken to a couple of people who were involved in that scenario and you're you're there jubilant the fact that you've you've kept your job and you've kept up there's people on the other side who are struggling suddenly to pay the mortgage and provide for the children and stuff as well isn't there yeah, definitely, like you say, and, and and that could have so easily been being ourselves. So yeah, it's it's a it's a real touchy touchy point, and I think it's as well when you've kind of finished bottom, it, it, you kind of celebrating achieving something, which is kind of finishing bottom. I think like if you're celebrating winning something, it's winning the league and winning trophies, not really winning a, a million pound game and celebrating that. Uh, uh, I don't think that should be really celebrated. So yeah, I'm not not a big fan of it to be honest. Dad already, Dad already mentioned around this this time period we had Brian Smith at the helm, obviously extremely experienced coach with teams like the Roosters and, and Parramatta and so on. What what was he like to to play under at the time? 
Yeah, obviously his name speaks for itself, doesn't it? As you said there, with his his, his record, and obviously it was it was a bit when when we signed him and we knew he was coming in, it was a bit nerve wracking. Really, didn't really know what to expect. Someone kind of with his with his aura and his presence. But yeah, it was obviously I just thought for me it looked at it as a great opportunity to to learn something new from somebody that's been there and done it and and coached some of the best players in the world. So yeah, uh, I had a great relationship with uh, with Brian. It was it was it was really good. He was a bit of a different guy, but yeah, I really enjoyed enjoyed my time under him. And then Chesy came in, mate, and then you, you seem to get some really great consistency with him. You played 27 of the 34 games in 2016, um, and we had, a, we had a good role, didn't we? Yeah, we had a, we had a really good role. As you said, I probably played some of my best rugby there under under Chesy, and he, he seemed to, to get the best out of me there. But, yeah, we had them couple of years as well where we finished, uh, was it fifth, I think, them two years on the bounce, and... Things were really looking positive, and I thought it was a real, a real good opportunity for us just to, to kick on there. So yeah, we we certainly had some some good years, there and I think we pretty much kept everyone fit and healthy. And we had, we had a, a strong team, and everyone was playing at the top of the game. And I guess around this time period, you were no longer the new kid. You were no longer the the young Riesling. You were getting more established, and you were a first team. How, how did you feel yourself as? becoming a bit more of a veteran in the side. Yeah, obviously you you start to to get that role in the in the team. You you're no longer just kind of filling in or getting that experience. You you, you some you start to establish yourself and earn the respect of obviously your teammates and they kind of see you as a as a regular as well. So yeah, that's that was always my goal to kind of establish myself and to earn the the respect of obviously my teammates and and show that I could I could do the job. So yeah, obviously when when you start getting a bit of success, obviously that 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 helps you as well if if you're performing. Yeah, good stuff, mate. And 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 that season is all we've already covered it. But victories like beating Leeds away twenty points to sixteen, we beat Warrington at home. That that famous Miller drop goal at at Magic Weekend against Catalan, but the infamous 62-0 win against Wigan, we 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 still talk about that, and hopefully we can get something similar this this coming weekend. But you must have been at, uh, even blown away yourself in the 62-0 win. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's something that doesn't happen so often in your career, and especially against Wigan. Uh, pretty much every Wigan game is a, a tough game, so... To have a game like that, I think I've only had maybe a couple of games that have really blown out of that over over the years. I think Hull FC was one of them again. But yeah, just touching back onto Wigan, it just everything just seemed to to go right for us on the day. It was just one of them days. You just you, the game's pretty much over after 20, 30 minutes, and you can just kind of enjoy it. And every pass kind of stuck. And as I said, it it's not something that. <laughs> That happens very often, so you just got to enjoy it when it kind of the ball's bouncing for you and everything's sticking. You just got to kind of enjoy them days on a nice sunny day. So let's say you don't you don't get too many of them pumpings of uh, of Wigan. Did you score on that day? Probably not. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you provided not, a few. But... I'm sure you provided a few anyway. And then yeah. just lastly, just touching on that season, mate. We. We came one game away from from playing at, at Wembley in the Challenge Cup before we lost to Warrington in that semi. What what do you remember about that and kind of the despondency of that that day? 
Yeah, obviously to to get to a semi, it was uh, it was buzzing really, and a lot of excitement around it, and obviously just daring to to dream really of of making that final. And I think it started off so well, didn't it? it went six 0 up. I think Craig Hall scored first, and mm-hmm. just remember just lining up ready for the kick off six 0 up, thinking, can we go on and do it? But yeah, as, as we know, it just it just didn't turn out that way, kind of got rolled comfortably in the end. So, yeah, obviously that was disappointing, obviously, to be so close. Uh, and then, obviously, to go in front, but just to, to kind of get turned over like that was, uh, yeah, it was really disappointing. We were riddled with injuries, weren't we, mate? We just They just all came at the wrong time. I think we played cast the week before and we threw everything at them when we lost about three or four players from that cast game. Yeah, that was it. We just It was just such bad time and we literally just had to get a team together and anyone that could pretty much play really. So it was it was just really bad timing for obviously probably the biggest game in the club's history for a, for a long while. So yeah, it was pretty much backs against the wall. So pretty disappointing. It would have been nice to have a, a, a full team to have a crack at that game. And yeah, who knows? Not saying would have won, but just, just to have a, 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 a fair crack at it. We live in hope, mate, one day, don't we? It's February again and the Challenge Cup's coming round again. So... Before my dying days, I still want to see Trinity at Wembley one day. Fingers crossed, me too. Exactly, mate. This was the era when, obviously, Chesie, Chris Chester took over and he bought big. We had some massive forwards. Big day for Fita, but came in. Uh, Anthony England, Chris Huber, Craig Huber, Mitch Allgood, Keegan Hurst, Paulie Paulie. We went big, but my, 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 my favourite sort of positions with your three-quarter line, yourself, Bill Tupo, Jones Bishop, Tom Johnson on the wing... What a three-quarter line that was! That was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really exciting, and uh, I think we all kind of rubbed off it on each other. And uh, yeah, it was for me being a part of that three-quarter line. It was, it was outstanding. Having Bish outside of me, just just a world-class winger. You give him half a yard, and it was just, it was just so brave and and, and tough as well. Bish, uh, he, he obviously not the the biggest winger in the world, but he was. Uh, just really tough. He'd always take that first carry off your, your trial line and managed to poke his nose through. And then, as you said, the other, other side, you had Tom Johnston, just, just a freak. And, and Billo was a, a freak for them fair few years. He was he was pretty much unstoppable. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was really enjoyable to to play in that three-quarter line as well and obviously to, to be training and, and learning off them guys as well. I'm not uh, comparing you to the 60s, but that's the that's the sort of height of our history when it comes to Trinity. Uh, and sort of the biggest compliment I uh, I heard, my dad still goes every week, he's, he's in his 80s, but when you were flying down one wing and, and Bill was flying down the other and the wingers were flying in and scoring tries, he turned to me and my dad and said, this is just like watching the, the wingers of the, the, the back three of the, uh, of the 60s. And I thought, wow, that must have been... Something that that was a one hell of a, a compliment to compare you lot with the guys from the sixties, the Neil Foxes, the Ian Brooks, who were flying down their wings as well. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that would have been epic, uh, epic comment that wasn't it to, to make. But yeah, it was just so enjoyable. And we we prided ourselves as well. I know you said there we had a a big a big set of forwards, but we we prided ourselves on getting getting down the field and and, and trying to give our big fellas a rest, and then they can kind of roll onto the ball uh, later on in, in the set like so yeah we've prided ourselves on the hard work as well not just just the, the fancy tries and, and, and scoring and stuff 
Yeah, nice one, mate. This we're, we're talking around about 2018 now. Am I right in thinking the highlight of your career was being selected for England? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that experience, mate. Being, being big for England. Yeah, obviously it was uh it was amazing. I was I was originally in the in the Knights, uh England Knights. So that was a, a pretty much of a shock for me. And then to to get the phone call saying that I was I was uh being put into the the first team to to play was uh it was just a dream. Just obviously having all my family there, my mum, my partner, and to, to do it alongside Thomas Well, who was uh one of my best friends, uh, yeah, it was a, a real special moment. Some of another another moment that you'll never forget. And what was it like working with Wayne Bennett? Did you learn a great deal? Yeah, yeah, it was obviously again. It's a it's another moment where you don't think it's it's going to ever happen to you. And obviously, it's pretty surreal again. Just working with arguably one of the the most successful coaches in in the in the world. So yeah. Learned a, learned a great deal and just, just to be around him and, and the types of players, James Grahams, all them, it's just just great to learn off. Uh, just just really feel really fortunate. What type of things do you learn from, from such experienced heads like that? I think it's just mainly it's just the way you, you operate as a as a professional. I think rugby's a, a pretty simple game and most teams do the same things, but I just think it's how you apply yourself and how you go about your week leading up into the game and just looking after yourself as a as a professional really and then just some different like leadership qualities what them kinda them kind of players have. Uh so obviously players that have been around a long time and been under other coaches and other players. So yeah, just 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 listening and, and trying to take in a few things what, what could maybe take back to your club and help. We had we had Tom Johnston on the podcast last year, and he was very open in the fact that Wayne Bennett really laid down the law to him in terms of how he needs to start preparing to be an England athlete, and you know how in some cases he can seem a bit lackadaisical and lazy. But so I guess the honesty of these blokes as well really put you in line if you know if you strain a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Wayne was always straight up with you and 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 pretty honest uh, in in anything he said, really. So he won't beat around the bush. So. As I say, you just like what Tom said there. You, you knew you had to be on it every day. Like it's you, you're at the top of your game. You're playing with the best players in in the world. So you you can't afford to be lackadaisical and maybe at club level you can maybe have a bit of time off or bits like there. But when you're when you're at that international level, you've got to be on every every second and and live and breathe it. Do you remember much about the game, or is it, is it just a bit of a daze to you? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was obviously against France, and obviously it was a pretty comfortable, comfortable afternoon. I think Tommy got was it three or four tries. I think. Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, I remember the game pretty well. Like you say, it was a pretty comfortable, comfortable game, and yeah, just just enjoyed it really. It's it's nice when you you get games like that, especially for your debut, where you can just enjoy them. And I remember there's a fantastic photo that I think Dad publishes every now and again where where you and Tom are kind of walking into the distance and you can kind of see it's two Wakefield lads playing for the same time for England. So, well, again, I know you've already touched on it, but to play alongside your teammate and a good mate in, in your England debut is a fantastic feeling. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know, I know that picture. He's got number two on, I've got number three on. And, yeah, we kind of got our arm just around. So, yeah, just walking off. But, yeah, it was obviously... To play for England, it's a uh, it's a great honour and it's a dream. But to be able to do it with your teammate and, and good friend, it just makes it that 
that bit more special. Uh, obviously, I was I was over the moon for him to to get his tries and for for him to make his his debut as well. So yeah, it was a real good moment for us. And as well, it's, it's difficult being a Wakefield fan or even a Wakefield player sometimes. We don't really get as many plaudits as, you know, St. Ellen's, Warrington, Wigan, etc. So to see you two not only playing for England, but starting for England and having cracking games, it must have felt good kind of doing it for, for your club as well, you know, the, the underdogs. Yeah, definitely. As you say, Wakefield, it, the players don't always get the, the recognition and, Sometimes it, it it can be difficult. Obviously, you're not you're not winning every week like the the top teams are. You're not on Sky every week uh, in in people public airlines. So yeah, it's obviously from my point of view, and Tommy's it was obviously it was representing the city and and the club as well. And I don't think too many had really represented England from Wakefield over the past few years. So it was. Obviously, we have two players doing it from from Wakefield. It, it it meant a great deal to us, and and someone was really proud of. Definitely so, mate. And you know, we we kind of entered a difficult period at the club as well. There, you've mentioned we had them two back to back fifth place finishes, which um you know a lot of people said that we overachieved in a sense, which I do understand. Twenty nineteen was difficult because again we kind of ended up in kind of a a million pound game scenario where we had to beat London on the last day of the season to secure um a place in Super League. But we managed it again. Uh, you know, we beat we beat the we, we beat the pundits again, who, who tipped us to go down. What do you remember about that kind of twenty nineteen back end of the season, biting our fingernails? Yeah, it was uh, it was a bit like I say a bit of an up and down down uh, season. We kind of got ourselves in that situation. I think we'd lost to London twice over at their place, so we'd kind of had ourselves to blame for being in that situation, but. That year, I was I was kind of always confident that we'd we'd have enough. I knew we had to beat London that last day, but I did feel we'd 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 have too much for them, especially being at home. I just I just I just thought that we'd uh, we'd have too much, even though we'd obviously lost the two previous games to them. It was just uh, obviously at their place. Uh, I, I did I did really fancy us as we put our best foot forward. Like we we would win that game, which we we pretty much won that comfortably. To be fair. In the end, that's right. Man. This uh, this season, you also picked up a, a different sort of award, the Rugby League uh, RFL President's Award for mentoring young offenders. What was the background behind that? Yeah, so just just doing a bit of bit of work uh, in the Weatherby Young Offenders. So it was kind of just going in, visiting, and and working with a, a select group of lads. Uh, maybe t- putting them through a, a gym session or just. Just a bit of bonding, maybe having a game of pool with them, or playing PlayStation, playing cards, and just offering them a bit of advice, really, and kind of getting them to kind of look at their future when they get out, and trying to get them to to kind of stay on the straight and narrow and get some plans in place. So, yeah, I, I've, I've always kind of dipped my toe in working with young offenders and. Uh, yacht teams and stuff in around Wakefield and Hull. So it's something I'm really proud of and enjoy doing. Yeah. So to obviously get that award, it was it was it was really humbling off of Tony Adams. And you continued that, didn't you? That we were talking 2019, but it continued up to COVID. You did it off your own back and continued for a few years. Yeah, to say I've been doing it a, a fair few years and up until COVID really uh, we, we was doing it a lot. There was and we were day for feet at Pauly Pauly as well. We, we'd all go down to to Weatherby and spend like uh, the afternoon there, which really enjoyable. And obviously, once COVID, it kind of put a bit of a stop to that. And 
bit difficult to kind of get back in after that with obviously the COVID regulations and obviously going into into like a, a prison, obviously families and people from outside coming in and out. It just made things a bit more difficult, but certainly something I'd like to, to get involved in, a, in again if the opportunity arose. I've heard you talk in the past on previous uh, interviews that um, when you were at Hull or when you were in your younger days, you had a lot of anxieties and fears and self-doubts yourself, and you could have ended up going down that wrong road. Was that sort of true? Was that sort of something that happened? Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, still to this day now, you can you can have a lot of anxiety and a lot of self-doubt. Uh, I think as a, a professional player, I don't think that ever leaves you. you you're always wanting to, to do your best and, and not let people down and like times when I played for England you, you question yourself are you good enough uh, all that kind of questions go through your mind so yeah it was uh, it's obviously a, it was a, a a period of time there where it, it could have gone either way really so obviously for me just just as long I was just trying to just advise them and just trying to be that positive male role model. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't have that in, in my life and it can be quite tricky when you don't have that. So I was just trying to be that positive male role model in, in their life and just kind of just give them a bit of guidance, really. Awesome. Good stuff, mate. Um, back on the rugby field, if we may, um, we're, we're talking 2019. You finished the year in Australia. Um, you got picked for the England Nines uh, for the World Cup. That must have been another good experience as well. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, obviously a really good experience to to go over to Australia. Just obviously a kid from I mean, still it's it's somewhere I've never been before, and it was always a dream and first time going over there. And I was only there for about seven or eight days, but yeah, just unbelievable to to go over to that to that side of the world, experience that, and to obviously pull on the the England shirt in in any capacity. Yeah, it was it was great. It seemed very hot over there as well. It seemed very very hot at the time. Yeah, it was roasting. Yeah, we played at the uh, Banquet Stadium, the new Parramatta Stadium. That I remember walking out for the game and just had such drama. It was it was so hot. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, and we didn't get very far, did we? Did, yeah, I know. Did you play against France and Lebanon? Were they your games? Yeah, I played against France and Lebanon. Yeah, I think there was the two games I played in. Yeah, yeah, and then I think. New Zealand knocked it out, I think, in the in the was but what was it the semi final? I, so. I think we got to the quarter, either quarters or semis, and I think yeah, the Kiwis knocked us out. Yeah, yeah the Kiwis knocked us out. Yeah. yeah. And what's it like playing in Australia? Because obviously, I mean, most people are aware now, but it's the number one sport over there. The the media is massive. The the coverage is massive. Everyone's talking about it. Do you just feel like you're in a different world over there in terms of rugby league? Yeah, well, it, it's a bit difficult. As I say, I was only there for seven or eight days, so I didn't really get too much of a of a glimpse into it, really. And uh, the Great Britain boys had just got there a couple of days after the we did, because that was when they was touring as well. But just that, that as a country, it's just so full on. Like it just literally, just a bit like London over here, just Sydney, just never stopped. It was just. 24-7, but just so much to do and just so busy, traffic everywhere you go. So it would have been it would have been nice to spend a bit more time there and just to experience them other things. But obviously, like you say, we only had seven or eight days then and it was it was back on the, the plane to England. Back on the road, back on the road, mate. And then, you know, you got back, you managed to get a couple of months of uh, pre-season and then 
then the the COVID lockdown hit. So obviously the world stopped, everything stopped. What do you remember about that time time period? Yeah, obviously it was just a real crazy time for everyone. I think a lot of people like myself were just in the unknown, especially a rugby just didn't know what was happening, when we was going to be back. There's obviously a lot of question marks around all that. So I think I think the whole society was was kind of in that same bracket, weren't they? Just obviously just waiting for updates and kind of stayed at home and did a bit of training in the back garden and hoping it was going to be maybe a couple of weeks things, but obviously it didn't turn out that way, did it? It kind of just got worse and worse. So, yeah, it was, uh, I think it's something to look back on now and it's something like you'll probably never get again in your life to be able to have that time at home and spend it with your family. I know you don't have too much you could do, but just to to be at home and, and not be required to do much. It was, we had some nice days as well with the sun. I think the sun was pretty kind to us as well. So, yeah, it's just, as I said, kept myself busy training really because you never knew when you were going to get kind of called back in to, to start the season again. And how was it playing behind closed doors? Yeah, really, really weird to be fair. It was just, you rocked up to the games and obviously it's just, just the sky, maybe cameras there and the camera people and, and and that's it really. So yeah, it was it was it's pretty pretty strange. But obviously we were just happy just to be back playing really and we knew we had a, a job to do and we had to get them games on for, for the clubs and for the for the good of the game. So it was just kinda of just back to back to work and back to business really. Happy just to be back out there. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. And then kind of rounding off, you know, we, we come to like the, the, the past two, three years of your career. Tell us about what it was like working under Sean Wayne in, in kind of them fixtures against the All Stars and against France. Yeah, it was uh, it was massive. Obviously, being under Wayne is there. He was there. He's, he's such an intense guy on the on the field, but he's, he's, he's a great guy. Obviously, how he comes across really intense and stuff. But he's a he's a really good guy, and you can have have a good chat with him. And he's, he's honest. That's that's his biggest thing with Wayne. He is he's always honest. We end. Throughout like the past few years, is constantly in dialogue with with players and telling them what they're doing well and and what they can improve on, which is which is great, especially for me as a player when you've got him watching and and tipping you up on what you're doing well and and what you need to improve and what he's looking for. So, yeah, obviously to to be under someone like that again after Wayne Bennett, it's uh, it's great because obviously Wayne has been there, he's, he's won plenty of trophies and is a is a very experienced guy. And last season, mate, that last season was pretty hopeless for you, really, because you played 13 games and then your ankle went. Is that probably one of the worst injuries you've had? I know it's the longest you've been out in your career. Yeah, I've actually had the injury a couple of times early on in my career, syndesmosis mm-hmm. uh, at Hull. But yeah, that last season was frustrating, really, because obviously I picked up a ban early on in the year, uh, which had a bit of an impact on me. didn't play for, for three weeks then, and then obviously picked up that injury what pretty much put me out for the rest of the season. So pretty frustrating. So obviously it's, it's kind of frustrating me this what's just happened to me now because I was hoping just to to start this year and and get some games under a belt and have a injury free season. So yeah, it's put a bit of a, a dampener on it, but hopefully I'll be uh, back out there soon. 
Yeah, off we go again, mate, into 2023. Uh, we've got another coach, Mash, great bloke, Mash. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago. He's your sixth uh, first-team coach since you've been here. Um, 2023, not a great start last week, but you must feel confident where uh, we've got a good uh, good side and uh, good prospects this year. Yeah, as you say, Mash is a, he's a good guy and he's, he's been in around the first team now for for a couple of years and, and he's, a, he's a good fella and... I think this, the change was needed and he's come in mash and obviously he's brought in Fordy with him who was a, a great coach as well. And yeah, we've had a we've had a really good pre-season and got a lot of work through a lot of work and uh, made our roles clear what, what's expected and what we needed to do. So yeah, obviously I know last Friday was disappointing, but it's only the first game and I'm pretty confident we can we can have a successful season. Uh as with most teams, we're going to need a bit of luck and a bit of luck with injuries, etc. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty confident we can we can have a, a good season under them guys. Good stuff, mate. And then just to, just before we fully round off, just tell us about Riesling, the bloke away from away from rugby league. What do you enjoy doing? What what's your hobbies? Uh, yeah, just like just chilling out really. With like spending time, we've got two two young uh, children. So pretty much, uh, when you've got kids, uh, there's not much free time for yourself, really. There, but so yeah, just 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 busy with them, really. And I, I like in my own time, I like going for saunas and just catching up, catching up with friends, really, and and and, and just chilling out. So yeah, just no, not too extravagant. Just just pretty low key, really. Just Man, don't forget your girlfriend's uh, birthday, mate. And I've just come up now because my phone was dying, so she's uh, she, she's she's here. <laughs> Think she's waiting for a massage. <laughs> <laughs> just 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 for anybody that's unaware, it's actually Reese's girlfriend's birthday today. All the all the listeners out there, and he did forget, so he um he's come on the podcast especially just for you listeners. While it's his girlfriend's birthday, <laughs> he's in the doghouse for all these listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Pray for me tonight. <laughs> exactly, mate. Yeah. So once again, just for a round off, Reese, I'm going to fire a couple of quick fire questions at you, and I want you to just give me one answer and one answer only. Okay, mate. Yeah. And then we'll uh, we'll round off fully. So if if there's one game, one Trinity game that stands out for you, which one is it? Uh, the Wigan sixty-two nil one. Good stuff. Who is the most talented player you've played alongside at Trinity? Uh, talented Tim Smith. Good stuff. What's the best ground you've ever played at? Uh, I'd have to say that Bankwest Stadium in Australia good stuff Who who's the best player that you've never played alongside who, who would you love to have played alongside but you couldn't have uh, Sam off. Burgess Sam Burgess good stuff and who's been the biggest influence in your rugby league career uh, I'd say Richard Agar Interesting, good stuff. And uh, um, last question: where, where do you see Trinity going in these next couple of years? Are we going to be competing for trophies? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, obviously, it all comes down to to finances and and, and stuff, don't it? The, the squad we can we can put together and to to compete on that on that even keel. But yeah, that that's definitely my goal. That's why I kind of stay here. Because I want to be competing for trophies for Wakefield and winning. I think that's every player's 
dream to be to be competing and playing in them top games. Otherwise, I don't think if that wasn't your goal, I don't think you'd be playing. So yeah, fingers crossed. I just need to get some consistency. It's 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 kind of one week up, one week down. We just need to get that consistency as a club. Definitely so, man. And last question: Are you a happy man? Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, no explanation needed. <laughs> I thought it was, if it was a trick question. <laughs> no, no. Just asking if you're happy in normal life and you're you're managing well. Oh yeah, yeah. Happy man. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I'll be happy when I can get back playing and stuff. But yeah, in in the hall, I'm a I'm a very happy man. Yeah, enjoying my testimonial year. So yeah, all, all's good. Superb. Reese, you're the Heritage number 1,332. At, at the present time, you've played 219 games with 62 tries for Trinity. Like I said earlier, you're the first bloke in, in 16 years who've, who've uh, reached the testimonial for Trinity. And one of only, I think Dad might correct me on this, but one of only 30-odd players to play over 10 seasons for Trinity. So, you know, almost one in a million type bloke, especially this day and age. So, Thank you for your servancy uh, playing for Wakefield. Thank you for all your efforts and, and continued um, efforts for Wakefield as well. And long may it continue, mate. Thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for having me on. I've had a, a, fun, a fun hour, so I'm hoping it hasn't cost me my life. Uh, <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed it. So mm-hmm. thank you both very much. Much, much to the pleasure of the listeners out there, Reese is going to be joining us for another ten quick ten minutes after this for a for a quick bonus podcast. And even though his girlfriend is gritting through her teeth now and clenching her fists, that we are keeping him for an extra ten minutes after this one. But he's going to re- be releasing Reese Lynn's favorite ever best thirteen for Trinity after this. But the, this is the end of the episode sixty six of the Wakefield Trinity Heritage Podcast. You can find us on podcasting platforms worldwide and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and now Instagram at WT Heritage Pod for further information and real-time updates. Massive thank you to my co-host, Lee Robinson. Thank you once again, Reese Lynn. We'll be, obviously, we'll be releasing an extra podcast that we'll be filming after this, Reese Lynn's Best 13. I've been Jamie Robinson, and we'll catch you all down the road. Hi, it's Cammy Triscamara. You have been listening to the Trinity Heritage Podcast. With Jamie and Lee Robinson. It's unbelievable!